0: This is the Welcome to Perth podcast, showcasing the stories behind our events, entertainment and lifestyle. These are the stories of how they came to be and what the future has in coming. I've got a I've got the next guest. Uh, you may have seen him before, may have heard of him once or twice uh, through the media. But I've got Basil Zemplis here with me. How are you going, mate? I'm really well. Thank you. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Great pleasure. Uh, now you're a busy man at the moment, so uh, you're on a radio station, you're on TV, yeah. and you're running for Lord Mayor.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, it's an interesting combination, isn't it? So I am busy. Look, I, I've always found the best version of me, uh, and nobody knows yourself like you. Sometimes you've kind of got to be a tough marker and and really assess yourself honestly and accurately. And uh, my wife will tell you this, I'll tell you this, I'm sure my parents would tell you this, but the best version of me is a busy version of me. And so, yes, I am loaded up, but um, I've probably operated at this sort of manic level for nearly 10 years now. And I enjoy it, I can manage it. um, I've got wonderful support from my family. My wife Amy's uh, amazing. And my kids are very understanding and and they're along for the ride too. Not that they don't make sacrifices and and I make sacrifices, but uh, it's a lot to take on, but I enjoy taking on a lot and I've always felt that I've got a a big capacity.
0: So uh, that's why I am where I am. And rather, so juggling a lot of balls and maybe one might drop every now and then rather than just focusing on the one ball. might be a little bit too boring. Look, a little bit like that. And,
1: you know, in many ways, I've often said to uh, young uni students or journalism students, I I don't think I'm especially good at anything, but I am a hard worker and I'll back myself to be uh, the hardest worker and the most reliable in any contest. And it's funny in life, uh, a, a, an observation that I didn't, you know, I didn't sort of set out with a plan of, being, I'm going to be super reliable and super hardworking. It's just sort of how I was. But it's amazing how that can hold you in such good stead. Um, and, and, and so I don't think it's necessarily the most remarkable talents that achieve the most. Sometimes I think it's the, ver- the very good talents yeah. or the pretty good talents, yeah. but who, who happen to couple that with a, a strong work ethic and reliability. I mean, one of the things I notice in, in younger people, particularly, and if there's any advice, I, resilience and reliability, those two R's, they are massive. And I, as I say, when I was a young bloke, I didn't walk around going, resilience and reliability, that'll hold you in good stead. Yeah. Uh, but they're important. They're really important. And, um, you know, if you can get a handle on those things, I think you can go a
0: long way in whatever your chosen field might be. And what's, what's your view on the media landscape now and, and for, for younger people coming up and wanting to get into media? It's
1: an interesting question. I get asked this a lot and a lot of people are sort of prophets of doom if you like. Oh, the media's in trouble and you know, there won't be many jobs. I see it totally differently. I don't think there's ever been as many jobs. I mean, this is the media, what we're doing now. Now, when I was a young bloke starting out, this didn't exist. There was no opportunity for me to do my own podcast or vodcast now, isn't it? And get it out there for people to see. And, And I say to young people coming through, everyone can be in the media now. Everyone can be in the media. And if you've got an idea or an interest or a topic or a thirst for knowledge, great. Go and video yourself. It's basically on your iPhone if you want, or even just your audio and post it and away you go. And and, you know, when I look at sport specifically, um, there was a time when footy and cricket were the sports that got covered and not much else other than Olympic time. You know, now there's not many sports in Australia that don't have television coverage. And that wasn't the way 15 or 20 years ago. So... And why why do you think that is the case? Well, I think because there is platforms for it. I think obviously there's pay TV now, uh, subscription television. There's also video on demand. uh, And there's been a terrific uh, dedication from uh, the federal government to make sure that on the ABC and SBS, other what we call minor sports, get coverage that they otherwise didn't get. So just specifically in sport, if you're a young sports broadcaster, don't be fooled if somebody tries to tell you it's a bad time to be getting into it. There's never, ever been a better time to
0: be getting into it. Yeah, bigger database to be able to use well, the exactly. internet with, with, yeah. with a platform. Exactly. Yeah. You
1: know, And look, in the old days, I could go to Leadable Oval, watch West Perth playing, and I could record it on an old cassette tape. Terrific. Great practice. <laughs> but I couldn't put that anywhere. Now... And
0: um, did you? Yes. I, I did
1: indeed. <laughs> I did indeed. Um, Jager down to Menaglio, handballs to Fong. Um, but now I could do that. And I could post it on the internet, or I could set it up on YouTube, and I could send that clip digitally to a boss at Channel 7 or the ABC or at Triple M Radio, and and they might say, that kid's got talent. So, you know, there is opportunities that exist now that didn't
0: exist when I was younger. I love it. Well, it's, a, um, it's an interesting year, 2020, yeah, sure but, but at the same time, there is plenty of opportunities. So yeah. once yeah. we got over this little speed bump. Yeah. Uh. And so, you know, don't be disheartened, I guess I would say,
1: and don't, don't necessarily believe it. When I was at uni, I had lecturers, I remember saying, tough time to be getting into journalism. See, bad time to be, you know, <laughs> you know, bad time to be getting. Now, that doesn't fit with the sort of person I am anyway. I'm a positive person, glass half, Mm -hmm. optimistic all the time, probably drives people mad that I'm as optimistic as I am. But just don't buy it is my advice. And it's not like I'm going to prove him wrong even. It's just don't buy that negative rhetoric about bad time to be trying to get into it. Because it will be if you buy it. Exactly. And if you, you know, and deep down if you want that to be the answer, well, it's pretty easy for it to be the answer for you. But um,
0: there is plenty of opportunity. I love it. So it's been a full-on... Career already, uh, and so really, you've got you've got a fair few years still to go yeah. in your your professional career, yeah, wherever it wherever it may span. Yeah. What give us uh, give us your two highlights of your media career yeah. uh, to date?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, look, I've been blessed. I really have. I spoke somewhere this week and uh, had the Tokyo Olympics taken place. I think that would have been my eighth Olympic Games and it may well still take place, and that'll be eight Olympics, uh, five Commonwealth Games, four World Swimming Championships, ten Australian Opens, last four or five are called the Women's Final and did the presentation. Uh, Look, uh, there's one moment that probably stands out as just like, wow, Uh, and one of them is calling Stephen Bradbury's race, only because it was so unusual, the circumstances were so unique, and it's one of those moments that stands the test of time. And to be the first gold yeah medal. first Australian yeah. Winter Olympic gold medal, and then be the Australian that called it for Australian television that that's really special. But my first Australian Open final presentation, Bruce McAvaney had always done that, yeah. and Bruce opted out of the tennis. He he had a few not so much health issues. He just wanted to scale back, and fair enough. Um, and so I was elevated up the batting order, if you like, and I I, I replaced Sandy Roberts who had previously called the women's finals yep. and I started calling the women's finals and as part of the uh, part of the double whammy I was asked to do the presentations as well and so for the men, first men's final that I call, uh, I did Presented, the presentation yeah. uh, the final was Roger Federer versus Rafael Nadal <laughs> on Rod Laver arena it was 8-6 in the fifth <laughs> And then we go out to do the presentation in the middle of Rod Laver Arena. Uh, Roger Federer hadn't won a Grand Slam for about three years, and this was remarkable. When,
0: when he was... Everyone yeah. thought he was done he and was dusted. He
1: people thought that'll probably... It might have been... He might have even been on... It, yeah. He hadn't won one for a long time. Yeah,
0: and everyone was saying he's, he's, he's injured, done, he's he out. And then anymore. he came to the Hotman Cup yeah. and he played well. That's and everyone right. was like, well, okay. Exactly. Yeah. And so we go out to do the presentation. Rod Laver
1: Arena. We've just had an 8-6 final in the fifth that falls... Roger's way and there are four people on stage and, and this goes to a global television audience and the four people are Roger Federer, Raphael Nadal, Rod Laver himself <laughs> and Basil Zampleler. And, and that that moment you know when I think of that that's a spin-out moment in my own mind that will be a spin-out moment until the day that I'm no longer here because. You know, you do pinch yourself and go, "Wow!" And and you know, with that comes a bit of pressure.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask yeah, that. It, was, was was the nerves there as you were walking well, out? I'm pretty fortunate. By
1: the time that came around, and that was 2017 or 2018, couple years in the bank yeah. of experience. Look, I, I'd done a lot of MCing and a lot of a lot of big crowd type stuff, and you know, it's funny. Sometimes the bigger the crowd and the brighter the lights, the easier it is because you can't see anything uh, okay. and you don't really know, you, you, you're not aware of other stuff. That, well, sometimes the smaller crowd's harder yeah. because you can see the bloke look bored yeah. or the bloke roll his he eyes over, yeah. when it's a bigger crowd. And, and so I went out thinking, wow, this is a pretty big moment, but just go out and do it. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about what can go wrong. Just worry about what you know you're going to do right. And, and I remember thinking, keep it pretty simple there's always a temptation to say something magnificent <laughs> or, you know, come out with some amazing line, which will never get used again anyway. But uh, it went well. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I finished, I finished uh, the presentation and I walked back from Rod Laver Arena as um, Roger's sort of going around doing the lap of honor, holding the trophy up, back to the seven compound, the other side of Melbourne Park. Yeah. And I looked down at my phone and I had a text message from Bruce who said, well done. Uh, you should be very proud of yourself, or something to that effect. And so that combination—they're yeah. they're, they're spin-out moments. Yeah, yeah, it was.
0: So is uh, Bruce a bit of a mentor for you? Bruce, Dennis, obviously yeah.
1: Dennis Cometti. Um, not that Bruce has been a lesser mentor than Dennis, but obviously I've grown up a lot around Dennis. Uh, we've worked together a lot. I idolised him. He became a, 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 a mentor, uh, a colleague, and and a, and a friend. And I've been blessed to be able to be as close to Dennis as I been he's always had wonderful advice but he's never offered too much advice unless it's been asked for i think the best luckiest thing for me really three people that i've worked around rick and sue on seven news they've been at it for 35 years and i've been their sport guy for 20 years i took over from dennis um so rick and sue dennis it's just being with them and being around them seeing their professionalism and how they handle different situations and also i think just having respect for what you're stepping into and and one of the lucky things someone like Hamish McLaughlin and I that we've had is coming up as the next generation, is the great legacy that was established by the ones that came before us the professionalism, the standards Dennis, Bruce, Sandy Roberts, Peter Landy Drew Morfitt, those sorts of people they operated at a very high standard and Rick and Sue the same and I, I think one of the benefits that I've had and other young people coming through, and I'm not one of the young ones anymore, but was to step into an environment where their professionalism just sort of Um, it was omnipresent. Yeah, engulfed. And and so you knew when you got there, this isn't somewhere where you muck around or crack jokes or um, have your shirt hanging out. This is somewhere where you've got to be on your game. And and I think that's probably the luckiest, that's amongst the luckiest thing that's happened to me in my career.
0: So personality-wise, is that something that you've seen across all of those people? That's what they all have in common? Well, a real professionalism. I think at the end of the day,
1: the two things that all of those people have had is a massive work ethic. Well, actually three things. A massive work ethic, uh, super professionalism, and as it turns out, they've been very, very good at what they do. Yeah. And um, so, all of those people have had those those traits. Dan uh, and Bruce, um, Dan and Bruce, you know, like in in a few years to come, when Bruce is no longer calling footy, and Dan now is not really calling footy, but we will marvel at how lucky we were to have a generation of those two guys. I mean. Both remarkable talents, incredibly gifted, but in different ways. But the one absolute thing, and even though their work ethic uh, manifested in different ways, and I I, I saw Bruce's style of preparation and Dennis's style of preparation, but one thing they both had, and as good as they both were, and they both were the sort of people that could have just turned up and done it, but they never, ever did. They never, ever took a broadcast or an opportunity for granted. They worked their backsides off, to be ready for whatever it was. And you know, and Bruce has done a lot of high, high level sport. He also does a lot of very low level sport that a lot of people wouldn't even see. But he prepares as hard for those and as much for those as he does for the absolute elite Olympic finals, Australian Open finals, AFL grand finals. And that's the measure of, of the man. And that's not something he taught me or showed me or people like me and Hamish. That's just something you,
0: you took in by osmosis. Yeah, yeah. And so, is that something that you want to be doing more of in the future? With Are you trying to step into you know, those shoes respectfully? Yeah, well, probably, if anything,
1: now I've taken a sideways another sideways step. I mean, obviously, I'm hoping to be the next Lord Mayor of the City of Perth. And, and, and so I, I will aim... I will continue to work at Seven. I've been very clear about that. Um, and I will manage my career around the Lord Mayoral duties should I be successful... But it's probably fair to say that I'm I'm probably not charging ahead to try and be the next Bruce or Dennis yeah. because I, I've, I'm adding something pretty considerable to yeah. my work, throwing work.
0: A, a big ball up yeah, up, up in we'll there as well. Yeah.
1: But for example, uh, if the Olympics do go ahead next
0: year, mm-hmm. and I am the Lord Mayor of the City of Perth, yes, I will you still will go, go to the go Olympics. To take, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so. On Lord Mayor, what was the, um, so it is a little bit of a pivot, but yeah. I think um, I think there couldn't be anyone better um, yeah, to thanks. be going into, into yeah. well, trying to get into the role. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll find out shortly. Sure. Um, what was the decision behind that? I imagine there was a, a bit of discussion with, with yeah, your wife as well. well. Absolutely there was. And, and actually it was a family
1: decision, to be honest. And when I say family decision, in the end, I mean, I love Perth and we can see it behind us. It's the world's most beautiful city and mm. I've travelled a lot. But it just felt to me as somebody who lived in the city and was walking down from West Perth to East Perth down to 6PR every morning for the last seven years, I just noticed a bit of a deterioration in the standard of the city. And to me, look, it started as something very fundamental. My wife really didn't stop feeling comfortable bringing the kids into town on her own. And that didn't feel like that was the right thing for our city. And, and, you know, there was a a general decline in the standards of the city. And, And so it was a pretty easy focus for me. I wanted to make it cleaner and safer and friendlier for families. And I figure if you make it friendlier and safer for families, you make it friendlier and safer for everybody. So that was my starting point. And then when I looked at the role, we hadn't had a Lord Mayor for three years or an elected council, looked at what had been in the role and the sorts of uh, personalities that it had attracted and what I had. And I, and I think I come at it with a fresh set of eyes from a different, uh, a different area yeah. and with a different skill set. I'm a communicator, I'm a leader, I'm a principled leader, you know, I believe in very simple fundamentals that my parents taught me. Work hard, use common sense and do the right thing. And I've applied those three values to everything I've done in my professional career and it's held me in good stead. And interestingly, um, I've always worked as part of teams. And and as it turns out, that's brought great success to the teams that I've been a part of. I'm not saying it's all because of me, but teamwork has been an absolute fundamental. And as well as working with teams to produce the best professional broadcasting result we could, turns out because of what I did, I was looking at teams all the time. And so I was part of teams, observing teams, operating at the highest level. And 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 it turned out or seemed to me that success came in all of the observations that I had from teams that were very well led, principled leadership that came from the top, the values of that principled leadership filtering down through the organisation, a strong message, a strong game plan, and everybody knowing their role and being prepared to work together with integrity and transparency. And so that's how Real Madrid operate. That's how the West Coast Eagles operate. That's how the Australian cricket team under Justin Langer operates.
0: Exactly.
1: And, And so... When I thought, well, hang on, they're the sort of organisations or teams that I've been a part of, and they're the sorts of teams that I've been observing my whole professional life, why can't I take that into the Perth City Council? So not much more complicated than that. I've got a skill set, I've got a passion for Perth. Uh, it felt to me that Perth needed a strong leader, a champion, if you like, for the great things about Perth. and. I figured that I had what it took to at least put my hand up, so I'm delighted that I have.
0: Now the postal votes. It's a it's a three week process. It's yeah, it a, it's starts not, on Monday. Starts yeah. So Monday the. Uh, so that's this Monday coming. That's
1: um, uh, the postal ballots go out on Friday, September 21, and from the the Monday following that, after this weekend, they'll start arriving in people's um, letterboxes. It's a postal ballot, uh, and it's non compulsory. So. If people are interested in having a say, um, they've got to make the decision to have a say. You won't get a fine for not voting, so you've really got to make the conscious decision, all right, I want to have my say in the future of the city of Perth. Uh, I want to go out and do it. So if you like what you're hearing here and you like the idea of this bloke being the Lord Mayor of the city of Perth and you're a ratepayer in the city of Perth uh, or on the electoral roll, you've got to consciously decide to do it. Um, So I am... Look, to be honest, I've been excited by the concert. It's been great fun. Mm. I've enjoyed it. And it turns out it's not been much different to what I normally do, which is going out, meeting people, listening, talking to them, finding out what's important to them and then trying to work out a plan for how we can make that happen more often.
0: So So where do you see Perth going? Where would you like to see Perth going? So how does Perth look in 10 years' time to you? Yeah, look, so safer and cleaner. That's that's my starting block. Uh, Safer,
1: cleaner, friendlier. And then I've got a huge focus on people. It's a people-focused plan for me, but it centers around people-focused events and attractions. Now they can be big things mm-hmm. or they can be little things. They could be street art and uh, music display from one or two people down here. Uh, it's, it's funny that in a city like Perth we don't see more of that mm. and, and and those little events if you like are just as important as the big events. Uh, in some ways they're, they're, as, they're as important because they fill the gaps on the quiet moments if you like. Mm. Um,
0: Bring more of that culture and that, yeah. that vibe, where it feels good to be walking life. around. You want to be getting getting involved. And Music
1: and art is life, isn't mm. it? And, and people bring life. Mm. So you know, great buildings, uh, wonderful uh, built attractions like this are terrific, but it's people that make a city brilliant. And so we've got to encourage people to be in the city more often. But I've got a I've got. You know, I'm a, as I said, eight Olympic Games, uh, opening ceremonies, uh, I've commentated the last four opening ceremonies. Those things make a big impact on you. And so a couple of big picture things that I would love to to see. I, I, I'm championing the 2027 Special Olympic Games for Perth. Mm-hmm. That might sound like a long way away, but it gets decided early, 20, early to mid 2021. Yeah, it's up. a brilliant event. It's a feel good event. Um,
0: so people all over the world, all
1: over the world, coming with all of their families, uh, and and the best part about the Special Olympics, it's it's feel good because of the athletes that are competing and the nature of their disability, but also it, it doesn't require any infrastructure spend. So what happens with the organisers is they come to the city and they go, okay, great, Perth, Perth the host city. You've got Leedable Oval, we'll Uh, use that for this. You've got Kings Park, terrific, that's where we'll do our shot put. Uh, You've got a beautiful stadium, great, we'll do running races there. So it doesn't require any
0: additional spend. Not the Brazil, I went to Brazil for the World Cup and they built these big stadiums and I was chatting to the locals and they said, well, there's no point for this because it's just going to be empty once we leave. And it brings 500,000 people to the city and it brings worldwide television coverage on
1: ESPN. They cover the... Special Great for tourism, for Absolutely. people putting Perth on the international Brilliant. map. And, and, but most importantly, it's a feel-good event where school kids can be involved, uh, everybody can be involved, and I just love what it stands for. So. I'm championing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got this idea for the new giants. Everybody loves the giants. I'd love to bring the giants back, but I I think they're in a shed somewhere and unavailable (laughs) at the moment. So I've got this idea to celebrate the mining industry, which has such a big impact on on WA. We're all connected to the mining industry in some way, shape or form. I've got this idea of filling Langley Park, one school holidays for a week of the school holidays, bring all of the massive trucks Mm. from all of the massive miners, fill Langley Park, bring all the school kids and families down, it's let it them climb like on them, jump on it, climb up the tyres, have their photos next to it, build some dongers on the yeah. side so that those who have got kids who they FaceTime with normally from a donger, and like, come in and this is where Dad normally lives or Mum stays when she's at work. And yeah. Just give, a, give West Aussies a taste of the mining and FIFO life, which we know has such a huge impact on them already, but they don't often get to see it because we don't all go up to the mine sites. And, 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 and part of it is driving those huge trucks down the city of Perth or down the centre so we can have a, a new giants, as I call it, as they get there. Our local giants. Exactly. And, and one other one, which I saw in Sydney when I was hosting Weekend Sunrise for a couple of years, they have a, a festival called the Vivid Festival. It's, an, it's a festival, they call it, of light, music and ideas. Mm-hmm. And they light the place up. Uh, creative minds, creative thought engulf Sydney for about a month. Now, uh, we've got as good a natural amphitheatre as they have, and we've got as good a thinkers as Mm -hmm. they have. We've got talent and lots of stuff that we can light up the way they do. Uh, So, a a Sydney Vivid style event. I don't want to copy their event. I'd like to take some of the themes that they have in their event and make it our own and do it in a West Australian way. So, there are three things that I'm I'm really keen to champion. Uh, I would love to make those happen. Uh, One of them, the Special Olympics, I reckon I'll put my weight behind anyway, whether I'm elected Lord Mayor or not, because it's such a good event. The more I learn about it, the more I love. Um, And and as I say, it goes back to my theme of people-focused events and attractions. And we know nothing makes a city buzz like an event and go into the west end of the city on a Sunday afternoon if the Wildcats are playing mm-hmm. and be there an hour before tip-off or an hour after tip-off.
0: Yeah, all those businesses are flourishing.
1: And everything changes. The whole dynamic of the city changes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So um, from here, Baz, what's going to... Uh, yeah, What does the next two weeks look like for you? Is yeah. it pretty
1: busy, I pretty imagine? Pretty crazy, yeah. Look, it's, it's getting around and um, trying to encourage people to vote. How, how have the chats been with, with people that you've been meeting? Look, it's, it's encouraging, but... I suppose the difference here is we're all non-political people and it's not like we're representing a political party. We're really representing Perth and what we're pushing for is Perth. So I'm sure all of the candidates say they're getting a great reception, which, which I'm sure they are, and that's terrific. It's been a great contest of ideas and, and I think that's what Perth needed. Um, but importantly, uh, Perth and the City of Perth is back on the agenda for the right reasons. And I think for too long, you know, there was so much negative talk around the Council and as an extension around Perth. So it's been good that there's been lots of positive stuff spoken. And, and I think win, lose or draw, in my case, I don't feel like if it's... Well, like you can't draw. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so yeah, win or lose... To draw. Exactly. If I win, I win. And if I lose, I don't lose. It's, uh, it's been nothing but experience anyway. And it's been a great opportunity to, to do something different. Um, in some ways, it's out of my comfort zone. In some ways, I've put it all on the line. But at the same, I don't really feel about it that way. I just feel like I am doing something that I've, I've been committed to, that I've, I believe in. I wanted to give it a crack, put my hand up and done it. No, I don't think anybody will think less of me mm. should the result in a couple of weeks not come out my way. You know, importantly, it's what, what will I think of me? And, you know, you ask that yourself that question. And, and in the end, I, I kind of think I'm... I don't want to say... It, Sounds a bit, but I'm sort of, I'm proud of myself for having done it because um, it was a big call. It was a big call, but I'm absolutely thrilled that I put myself on the line, that I put my ideas forward, that I put myself forward and given myself uh, exposure to this uh, to this amazing contest so I, I've got nothing
0: but good things to say about it yeah well as someone a little bit less ambitious or less motivated or driven uh would have just taken the easy route and just yeah, continue on you know what you were doing um but yeah very impressive mate with the career you. you've had so far in no, media um but also diversifying and, and trying new things and uh and trying to promote our uh, our, our city because it is it is an unbelievable city yeah, uh, and the more people that come here and see it uh yeah. that that Better.
1: So. Uh, one of the early, very early years uh, covering the West Indies down at the Wacker and Richie Richardson, they uh, are at the Wacker Nets, and um, they had uh, on, on their t shirt, they, they all had these t shirts and it said, The greatest risk is to take no risks. No risk. I guess that's the way they played their cricket, and that, that's, that slogan at the time they were unbelievable, mm-hmm. and that slogan really stuck in my mind. And in, in many ways, you're right, the easy thing to do would have been not to put my hand up, but it's not in my nature. I'm glad I put my hand up, and whatever happens from here, it's been, uh, it's been quite breathtaking. I've loved it. Awesome, Basil.
0: Very nice to interview you, mate. California. Good luck.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for your time, everyone.